looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 What's it open? Say it! Say it! Say it! Say it! Say it! Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy nerfoo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hi everyone, this is Hayden Joseph, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc. Jonathan Steele. 
boy do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest, quite interested in talking with because not only is he a musician, but I wasn't expecting it, but it's also going to bring up some uh, real life topics as far as, you know, I'm curious to see this point of view and hopefully we can get there. So let's go ahead. He is... South Kakalaki, born and bred, but now he is in Nashville, Tennessee. So, since there is so much to get into, why don't we go ahead and welcome Hayden Joseph. Hayden, how are you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? Good. So, it looks like, are you in Nashville currently? Because it looks like it's a nice day for you, sitting outside. I'm actually at my parents' house in South Carolina. Even even better. So, a little bit of a home vacation for you, or? A little bit. They've been babysitting my dog, so I came to pick my dog up. There you go. So, got to ask, because I am an animal lover, what kind of dog is it? Uh, he's a French bulldog. I was the, I wanted a bulldog so much when I was a kid, but didn't work out that way. Ended up with a Rottweiler, but is what it is. So, first thing want to bring up, he had, Hayden here has a new release, as close as I can get to you, that was released on the 26th of May. So first and foremost, when it comes to the music, how has the response been for the new release? It's been great. I mean, actually, it just came out on, on June 2nd. So uh, I, I think the original plan was to put it out a week earlier, but we, we waited a little bit. Um, but the response has been um, response has been good. You know, like, we kind of live in a world where if something doesn't go viral on TikTok, it might not necessarily get the like numbers of response that you're used to. So Country songs can be really hard uh, to do that with, if that makes sense. Country songs aren't really necessarily written to go viral. Um, mm-hmm. So if you have a couple that do, it gets to be like frustrating trying to recreate that magic uh, and still be happy with what you're putting out. So I'm very satisfied with the song. I, I don't think I got a viral hit off my hands with it, but uh, I, I, the response for those that have listened has been very good. Beautiful. And I'm not one into the TikTok, even though I've had a few other guests say you should try it and whatnot, but I should mention, since we have the topic upon us, uh, Hayden has over 250,000 followers, which uh, I'm guessing is pretty good when it comes to TikTok numbers so far. So with all the different social media outlets, do you like TikTok or are you a Facebook guy, Twitter, Instagram, which <laughs> is there something you preference? Um, I mean, I think the platform of the moment is probably TikTok. Um, I think they all come with their come with come with different pros and cons uh, for society <laughs> and for musicians at large. But yeah, exactly. And I do want to mention that as well, since we're talking music, Hayden's first album debuted in the spring of 2021 and has logged over a million streams over different platforms to date which is awesome but his first single came out in 2019 so obviously with all this being said with the music what has been your favorite experience as far as putting stuff out because i would definitely say from what i've listened to it definitely has a blend of contemporary country but also some mainstream pop 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, everybody that I kind of ever looked up to um, music wise has never really stayed true to one genre. I mean, you know, not I was born in the mid 90s and that was kind of the the dawn of the pop country artists kind of all started then. So I feel lucky to have grown up in that era because like to me, that's what country music has always sounded like is this kind of blend of different genres anchored around kind of a central story. Um, and so, I mean, to me, it, making music is very much a learning process. It's, it's also kind of like an exponential curve. So you don't necessarily notice the progress until you look and you have, you know, sloped very, very quickly upward from where you were a year ago. Um, you gradually stop being scared of certain things that used to terrify you. And so it's, it's nice to look back and see that progression. I mean, before I was terrified to like post a song that I'd written, like an Instagram recording, like a video of me in my living room, like that was scary. And then I started doing that. And then it was posting like acoustic demos. And, but I was like, but no one's ever going to take me seriously if I like go into a studio and make these songs. And then I put one of those out and then like, now I put a song out every 10 weeks. And then I was, you know, scared to sing live my own songs for a while. And now I just sold out, a, like I sold out the listening room in Nashville last week. So it's, it's a very much, uh, it's nice to look back after the fact and see the progress you've made, but sometimes it's easy to like lose perspective on that progress. Um, at least for me, I'm very much focused on like, what's next? What can I, what else can I do? And often reticent to give myself credit for the things that I have done. Um, so I think that's an important skill to learn that I have not quite mastered yet. It's a, uh, I guess the best way to say it would be, it's a growing process. And looking at, like you said, looking at all the steps you've made along the way from the performing in the living room to doing stuff live and such. But as someone who writes his own music, because it tends to be that when all the, or a lot of the musicians been fortunate to talk with, can you uh, maybe talk about the evolution of your writing style. Yeah. So I think, I think my writing style has stayed pretty consistent since I started putting out music. I think the bigger difference is I used to write everything alone. Um, and then when I moved to Nashville, I started writing with other people and you can kind of hear, I hear it probably more than other people would hear it obviously, because I'm the closest to the music that I've written, but there are certain things that, for example, the song I just put out, um, the way the title of that song lands and the way that the chorus resolves is not something that I would have ever done myself. I remember when the, when the co-writer suggested doing it, my initial reaction, like was like a knee jerk of like, absolutely not. That doesn't rhyme. Like, no, don't do it that way. And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, actually that is so much more interesting than any way I would have come up with myself to land that. And it doesn't sound like anything I've ever put out before, but the actual story and the lyrics do. And so that's kind of like a magic of co-writing when you really do have a true collaborative effort. Um, which doesn't happen every time. It's not like I leave every co-write and think, oh, you know, that was an equal contribution. Sometimes the other person I feel like pulled way over their weight. And sometimes I feel like I pulled way over my weight. Uh, but when it works, it really works. Um, I think for me, I have a background in like corporate strategy. And so I've, for, I've made a living for years outside of music, writing kind of executive presentations and bullet points. And a lot of times I have a tendency to write songs that way. I will bullet point them out. The My lyrics are very like, brief and very very direct and to the point and you know that's just a result of being trained for years to write that way and feeling like that's the easiest for people to understand not every writer feels that way um so why don't i go ahead and put as close as i can get to you right here sounds good people think i got a tie 
hair and light green eyes With a laugh that'll light up the whole damn room As close as I can get to you Drinks gin instead of wine Unafraid to speak their mind Shoots a mean game song and it's funny before you were mentioning or i should say before we started playing a song you mentioned about your writing style and such and would you say your uh, style is because of the inspiration of uh gender bending or genre bending melodies such as a taylor swift a shania or garth or whatever the case may be from the 90s into the early 2000s yeah, I think so. I, I, I like I, my mentality is I want the music to sound good. I don't care exactly how it ends up sounding as long as I think it sounds good. And I think trying to put things in the bounds of one genre can often sacrifice that. You know, not every song should have the same instruments. Not every song should have the same drum beat. Not every song should be stripped down. Not every song should be fully produced. And 
oftentimes country music will try to tell you that like, they should all sound very similar. And I don't buy into that. And Shania didn't buy into that. Taylor didn't buy into that. And, you know, they've sold quite a few records. So I would, I would say they, they sold five or six, at least each of them. So yeah. Yeah. when you look at it, when you bear down the brass tax and look at the numbers, maybe even 10 a piece, but <laughs> I I'd have to confirm that. But uh, speaking of Shania and, Obviously, how can you not love her? When I was prepping for this and reading notes and all that kind of stuff, because we know everything on the internet is true. <laughs> there was a story that apparently some of your first musical memories center around Shania. So when do you first remember being introduced to her? I mean, I don't remember a time when I wasn't introduced to her. I mean, there's there's home videos of me like singing on a little tyke slide. Uh, singing any man of mine like with a toy microphone um, Shania was my first concert so I was three uh, in Greenville South Carolina and I guess this was like pre 9-11 so like there was not a lot of security and she was letting kids walk up to the stage and like get on stage with her she was just pulling kids on like for almost like a half a song each so my grandmother walked me up to the stage and like she pulled me on stage with her and I like had a toy microphone and it was the only song on the entire Common Over album that for some reason, three-year-old Hayden did not did not like at the time. So I didn't know the words to the one song that she asked me to, to you know, sing with my toy microphone with her. Uh, if I ever meet Shania, I know every word to that song now, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, that, that memory, obviously I will hold on to. I think that's really special. Um, and yeah, also I just think the, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized kind of like, what it was that made everyone love Shania, you know, back when you're, you know, a young kid, you just like Shania because it sounds great. And now you realize like how different it, like when you listen to nineties country music and a Shania Twain song comes up on the nineties country playlist, like it just sounds so ahead of its time. Like it doesn't sound 20 plus years old. Like you listen to the come on over album now and like it could, they could all be singles on country radio today. Yeah, exactly. MB hits. Yeah. Well, obviously I was doing a little homework and I, you know, I'm interested in bringing this up with the, uh, as I was saying, the real life side of things. And there's so much going on in our world now, good, bad, indifferent, positive, negative, all that stuff. But apparently there is an uphill battle in the industry because Hayden, and I guess I could say this, is an openly gay artist or LBGTQ. And I'm not trying to sound disrespectful. They change the lettering is they change the lettering of things so often but you know all to you i am always been of the positive outlook of the things like that hey what you do is your business and everybody's you know let's all live in one happy group here so you know you know to each their own but why would you say it is an uphill battle because from where i sit and i've been i would say country has been my home base for most of my life but it seems like when you hear some of the artists currently country seems to be the most open if that makes sense i guess my response to that question would be how so hmm. well i would say folks at least the ones that I've respected, whether it be a, you know, Tim McGraw, Taylor, you know, the current, like 
grasp of folks are leading, I would say for everything I've heard, have led the charge in terms of every, like I said there, everybody is equal. Let's all live in one, you know, you know what I mean? One group, I guess you could say it's, it's, hey, there's no reason for hate. There's no reason to, to judge people based on whatever the case may be is race, sexuality, what, yeah, you know, all the different categories and boxes you would check off. So it's like, of course we get in any walk of life and I'm not saying just in music here, but it's, that's, it's 2022. Let's live and let live. It's, if it's not affecting you personally, if it's not hurting you, why be negative on something? If Hayden wants to love somebody, great. If I want to, you know, be with somebody, great. You know what I mean? It's not, people turn it into a negative thing when it shouldn't be negative. That makes sense. Who cares who somebody loves? Let them be, let everybody be happy. Enjoy their relationships. Surround themselves with good people. Who cares at the end of the day? Am I making any sense here? Yeah, you are. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily coming from other artists. I mean, I think in general, you're right. Big names are openly supportive. Um, I don't think it's necessarily even coming from an intentional form of, I, I guess I would like to think it's not coming from any sort of intentional form of open discrimination. I mean, I have experienced things, unfortunately, that would indicate otherwise on a much smaller scale. What I will say is I, I think part of the factors are institutional. I mean, until last year, there was not a single openly gay artist on a major country label. And TJ Osborne came out and, you know, TJ Osborne has been famous for 10 years. For 10 years, he wasn't openly gay to his fan base, et cetera. Uh, to my knowledge, and I don't want to say something that's not true, so I will just caveat it to my knowledge. There has not been a single openly gay artist, male artist, signed to a major label when he's been out. So again, we're still talking in forms of artists that have come out after the peak of their fame or artists that have come out signed for 10 years before they're out. I mean, there's a reason that doesn't exist. And, you know, it might not be because people are overtly homophobic, but I mean, the numbers just don't don't lie. Like there has never been one. And there, there must be some sort of reason for that. I don't know if it's a conservative fan base. I think it's a multitude, multiple factors. Uh, I have a hypothesis that one of the factors is country music can be so one dimensional and male artists in country music are expected to look a certain way, sound a certain way, talk about certain things. And those things just aren't believable or frankly, like marketable from a gay artist. I can't sit up and sing about drinking beer and, you know, going on trucks with women. Like it just, it doesn't work coming from me and it wouldn't be believable and it wouldn't be authentic. And if that's what country radio wants and that's what major labels want, they're not going to get it from me. And so like, it's much harder for them to look at me and say, well, what are we going to do with you? Versus to look at someone else where they don't have to ask that question. Um, I mean, that's just as harshly as I can put it. That's that's just business. And there's also a portion of the fan base, obviously, that is more conservative than some of the people that you're mentioning, et cetera. So, like, you know, it's not that everyone's like, oh, we don't want gay people in country music. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I would like to think that that's not the problem. I think it is an institutional problem that has multiple facets. Um, I think part of the problem is with that, unfortunately. I mean, I've had an experience where I filmed a music video and someone asked to be edited out because they didn't want to be associated with some of the pride paraphernalia that was in it or me and the other gay artists that were sorry. I hope that that is a select occurrence. That is just an unfortunate reality. I hope that's the exception, not the norm, but I was, I've talked a lot on the issue, but all of those things kind of piece together to be 
it's an uphill battle because like an archetype for this doesn't exist yet. Right on. So would you uh, say, cause obviously I wouldn't be aware of it in terms of firsthand knowledge. Like you said, there's not too many examples, but would you say it's more on the business side of things that you see pushback? I think so. I mean, because like like I said, when country country, there's a formula for country radio. There's a template for country labels for male artists. I mean, they have problem. They have a hard time marketing women. So how are they going to market a gay band? Um, so I, I I don't necessarily think it's that they don't want a gay artist. I I think it's partially that they don't know what to do with one. Like they wouldn't have case studies to look at of like how do we market Hayden? We can't use the same formula that we used for this artist and this artist because it won't work for him. So we're gonna have to like go back to the drawing board and figure out a completely new set of rules for this. But we could also just sign the kid that's standing next to him that we don't have to do that for. You know, like it's, 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 uh, am I making any sense? No, no, it, you are. But which was leading to my next question, if we're gonna think about it in those terms is like you said, all right, how are we gonna, and I'll use you for an example here, because we're talking to Hayden Joseph here for those who picked up halfway through. If, like you said, somebody will go from a marketing standpoint, okay, this is who Hayden is and everything else. How are we going to market him from that standpoint? Are you, in terms of, especially as an independent artist and stuff like that, you got to be more creative yeah. with how things are done. So are you thinking in your head going, well, okay, why don't we try X, Y, and Z to bring a different approach as far as the, the marketing standpoint that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, my solution to this problem has been, and I think this is the only solution, is they're not going to do the work for me. They've got a thousand artists they could sign and do nothing for and have a formula that works for them. And then they have me and a couple other gay artists or minority artists or sometimes even females like that they don't have that for. And so my mentality is, I have to put out content. I have to be creative enough on the internet to get noticed without them. I need to have numbers behind me that candidly, they don't need to have to get noticed. And I already do being very honest and blunt. Like I have numbers that plenty of signed artists don't have. They just have to be bigger to prove to a label that this template can work because it hasn't worked in the past. Uh, that's an unfortunate reality. And I'm not going to deny, like I'm not does, I'm not playing the victim. I'm willing to do the work. It's just yeah. there is more work to be done on my end than there might be for somebody else. That's not to say that everyone else doesn't have to work hard. Everybody does. There is just a, a barrier to entry that doesn't exist for everybody. And I also have less barriers than exist for plenty of other people. So I want to make that clear too. You know, it's, it's not a one sum game. Exactly. And that's why I enjoy talking to uh, the independent artists and stuff, and especially speak to a lot of the folks within your PR family and Bev and Patty love you guys. You guys usually gave me great guests and great interviews and all that stuff. So it's a different hustle when it comes to the independent artists. And I will say this as well. And it's just broad picture here, at least that I'm thinking that it's you guys, if, and when, somebody assigned coming from an independent background like you guys all have not just yourself or anybody else it's more appreciated i would think because not only are you grinding like you said to get the numbers and everything else that other artists don't have but it's almost like a 
you're willing to work harder and have more of a, everything wasn't just handed to you, like some artists, if that makes sense, what I'm going with that. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, look, this is always going to be an industry that has a tinge of nepotism. I mean, it's just natural, but like, um, that's the reality of the world. Uh, don't fight the system, work within it. (laughs) Exactly. Find a way to make it work for you because you can't change everything. And well, as far as the nepotism is concerned, it's funny that you say that because I know of a few artists who are generational and they aren't, they don't like the nepotism, I should say. And they are working twice or maybe even three times as hard as the most people who might have the opportunity of nepotism. So I truly appreciate the hustle, as I like to say, for what you guys do. So obviously, and I appreciate the candorness here, and we tend to go with that on this show anyway. Yeah, so, I really don't want to, you know, don't want to say anything negative about artists that, you know, may have had family or in the industry. No, no, no. We're not. Like I said, like I said, if this is your dream, this is your dream. If you have access to it, use the access that you have. Like there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, but still put in the work. Yeah, of course. And like, you know, obviously still have a, have a level of talent that is appreciated by audiences and virtually any person that that label could be applied to, I think does so. And I will say this of the generational talent that I interact with. They have more hustle than folks that would dream for the opportunity. They want, there's people who don't have that, that would love the opportunity, but not willing to work for that. If that makes sense. Cause unfortunately, yeah, that's part of, again, part of the world we live in, but what is next for Hayden Joseph? Uh, prof- on a professional, personal level, whatever going on. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, outlook for my music, I put out an EP at the end of March of six songs. I just put out this single and I have probably six or seven more songs that are more or less ready to go. Um, so my plan is to release kind of a single every month or two uh, for the next six months or so and package them into kind of my second full length album. Um that's the sex on the music front. I mean, I, um, it's getting to be a lot to sustain, to keep up with that pace and to continue putting out content on my socials all the time on TikTok or whatever. I do need to like do some inward soul searching and just figure out what is a sustainable level that I can continue to do this. Um, because like you said, it's a lot of work. Uh, we're reliant. We've gotten to the point where we're relying on internet algorithms to push stuff that no one understands and that no one can <laughs> Uh, and it is just frustrating to like see numbers be all over the place based on a computer system that you just like, that quite literally no one understands major labels. Don't understand it. Independent artists don't understand it. People that code at Google don't understand it. So like, but that is what the music industry is based on right now. Uh, and so, uh, honestly, like I've got six or seven songs. I'm going to put them out once every two months. Hope one of them hits. Um, I don't, I've, I've looked at a lot of what I'm doing and I don't see much that I should be changing. It's just, you know, it's not a linear path. Well, let me ask you this then, with that being said, is there something from what you at least understand of the system? Because the system has changed so much from when you would be signed to a record label, you would uh, have, you know, certain amount of albums under the deal. And, you know, just the business structure is so different. But from what you understand and the way you do business, 
is there something you would do to change it as far as the structure or is that far above your pay grade? Uh, I mean, it's pretty above my pay grade. I will say, so I've worked at record labels in the past. Um, I worked in strategy and business development for Warner Music um, up until 2019. Um, I think that record labels, particularly in country music, still very much have a place, uh, largely just because country radio is the one way to extend a song's life for a year versus we live in a world now where 15 minutes of fame has become 15 seconds. So it, there's an expectation for artists you know, you're not putting out an album every two years, you're putting out a song every two weeks. And that is a really, really, really hard to sustain pace for an independent artist because it's not free. Like yeah. making it's not free. Um, there are a lot of people that you have to pay. And if you want to do it right, there are a ton of people you have to pay. Um, and so like it's expensive. It is exhausting. Um, and so I, I wish that society at large had not grown accustomed to having so much content at their hands so often because gone are the days where you can put out an album and be proud of it for a year or your next high. Yeah. So I was, I was saying gone are the days where, you know, you could record an album, put it out and be proud of it for a year. And an artist, if you're signed to a label, you're marketing an album for a year. And if that album sells a million copies, you've made a sustainable living. Those days do not exist in the music industry anymore. Um, you don't have the level of stardom that you had or the viable end game. Like, I think what's been what's hard for me is the end game for an artist of like what a sustainable career as a musician looks like now, like they the path to profitability of selling albums of, you know, it, it's not the same. And it's very nebulous, especially in this new world where like people are putting out so much music and song shelf life is so short. I don't think I'm alone in saying that I don't really know if people know how to articulate like what the end vision is for a career in the music industry anymore as an artist. Um, I'm rambling a little bit, but no, you're fine. That, 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 that's kind of the, the like tipping point. I think a lot of independent artists are reaching is like at a certain point, you can't afford to put out music that often anymore. You can't mentally handle like filming so much content, knowing that it's just going to go into this abyss. And even when you get signed, it's the same. Like you see signed artists now are posting on TikTok. I would argue that marketing people are doing it for them, but like they're posting the same things on TikTok that independent artists are posting. Um, and it, it's it's created this this content culture and this content craze that I don't think is sustainable. And it's kind of just going to be like a race to like who has the most resources available to put content out over and over. Right on. And with that being said, I'm going to combine these last two questions because I think it's uh, appropriate. So part of your answer there was talking about goals and not sure and all that. What do you want? for your career personally because obviously there's obvious i want fame i want fortune i want this i want that but what does hayden joseph want for his career but also it's appropriate to ask because where you are right now what does your family think of what you are doing professionally yeah so i guess in terms of what i want for my career i mean i i would like to be a household name like i would like to make a sustainable living doing this. Um, very candidly, my goals are like, they lie beyond just, just being a musician. You know, my heart is in music. I think the best way to showcase my talent and personality is through songwriting and through music. But, you know, the path to just being a musician now is smaller. Like I might, I think natural segues from that are expanding into brands and TV, et cetera. So 
I, I want to be able to build a career that starts with music as a household name and expand that into other things. I, I love being on stage. I love acting. Uh, I love being on camera. Like I, I think, I think those are necessary qualities for an artist to have, but um, my goal is to start in music, get a record label, get a record deal and be a household name and then expand into other areas of entertainment. Um, in terms of what my family thinks about what I'm doing, um, I think they're very proud and very supportive. I don't think they understand uh, what goes into <laughs> this anymore. Uh, I don't think they, I can't pretend like they understand every TikTok I post or how much work it is to put music out uh, because they don't. If you've never done it, you do not understand and I can't expect you to. Uh, so that's, that is what I will say. But they're very Bro supportive. Brother. And on the podcasting front, it's the same way as on my family's end. It's like they don't realize all the minute. And it's the same thing with music, even though it's two different fields. Yeah. It's, they don't realize the little minute things to get, say, three. And, and the music front, say, three or four minutes of content of a song. It takes sometimes three or four months to get that together between yeah. the studio time and the writing and, the, you know, so I totally feel you on that one. But what is the best spot for people to see Hayden Facebook, the TikTok? What's the best way for people to see you? I'm going to put links to everything, but what would uh, you suggest people check out? Yeah. Um, but uh, best place to find me, honestly, uh, Instagram or TikTok at Hayden Joseph on Instagram, Hayden Joseph Music TikTok, and then on all streaming platforms, just Hayden Joseph. Right on. Hayden. Thank you so much for the time. Oh, I said thank you very much for having me. This brand is truly exciting. I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey you guys, this is Ali Pauline and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio.